Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As most of you know, I have three children in my house. My youngest, Collins, she will turn three in June. And right now, with her, we are living in a world of what? What is that? What is that? What is that? Your first three or four attempts to answer her question are always met with the answer, no, what is that? She often is pointing in an area that has multiple objects because she's building her vocabulary. She's building her understanding of the world. And the what questions help her to do that. What is that? That is a friend. And now she calls everyone friend. And I love that. I just love that. My older two, my son Crawford, who's seven, and my daughter Addison, who's nine, they almost exclusively live in the world of why. Why not? Why can't I do that? Why is that the way that it is? Somewhere between three and seven, brains must make a developmental leap from what to why. And why is where most of us tend to stay for the rest of our lives. Now, I think there are two types of why. There's the kind of why that is born from curiosity. It is the why we ask that leads us to learn, to grow, to dream. It is the why that leads us to be brave and to live the life that we aspire to in our baptismal covenant when we answer with God's help. And then there is the why that is born from judgment, from fear and helplessness. Why is this happening? Why is my friend suffering? Why is the world the way that it is? It is the why we ask in the face of those things that are bewildering and more mysterious and complex than our brains can handle. It is the why we ask when we are frozen. It is the why we ask when we want a simple answer to something that can provide nothing but complexity. It is the why we ask when there is often no good answer. And sadly, it is the why we ask 
when we already have answered the question in our head and heart with judgment. That, that is the kind of why we see in Luke's gospel for today. A group of people, they come up to Jesus with all of the bad headlines that their Galilean news had thrown into their face. Pilate, that Pilate, has slaughtered a group of Galilean Jews and mingled their blood with that of the sacrificial lamb. The Tower of Siloam has collapsed, killing 18. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? They ask of Jesus. And Jesus can see in their eyes, perhaps read their tone, the kind of why that they are asking. They want him to confirm that their fear is unwarranted, that their judgment upon these tragedies, that these terrible things happened for a reason, is true. And they've even provided the reason to Jesus. These things happened because these people deserved it. They happened, these bad things, because those people are bad. They want the answer to their why to be relief from their fear that something horrible and tragic might happen to them. And in response to their question, Jesus tells them a story a story of an absent landowner, a diligent gardener, and apparently a good-for-nothing fig tree. And I bet, I bet that most people who heard that story left feeling really frustrated and unsatisfied with their story answer. Because when we want our fear relieved or our judgment to be upheld or the hate that we have for others to be deemed as righteous, it is frustrating and unsatisfying when Jesus doesn't comply. I sometimes wonder about why Jesus' response to so many apparently clear questions that should have clear answers results in the telling of a parable. And I'm sure that there are lots and lots and lots of reasons why he does this. But I wonder, I wonder, if one of those reasons is because our whys, our why questions, are bad questions. Theologian Debbie Thomas brings this up in her essay on this gospel passage. Is Jesus responding in parable to give us an opportunity to ask better questions? And looking at the parable, I think we can see what some of those better questions might be. Consider the viewpoint of the absent landowner. Would quest better questions be 
Where am I called to show up but haven't? Where do I act and speak from a place of authority and expertise when I don't know what I'm talking about? Where do I seek simple answers in the face of complex problems? Am I patient enough? Do I trust enough to be a companion with others who can do things that I cannot? Where in my life am I stuck in scarcity and fear, shouting, cut it all down? Because I am unwilling to see the Christ in those around me. From the perspective of the gardener, could better questions be, where do I need to be spending my time and energy? Have I done all that I could possibly do to help a situation? Did I show up and get my hands dirty for the sake of the goodness that I know is present in there? Do I put my money where my mouth is and do the hard work required to bring forth good fruit? Am I willing to do hard work even if it would fail? And am I brave enough to see the potential of what could be when everyone around me says it's not worth it? And from the perspective of the fig tree, could better questions be, and here I quote Debbie Thomas, am I unenlivened, unnourished, unable or unwilling to nourish others? In what ways do I feel helpless or hopeless, ignored or dismissed? What kinds of tending would it take to bring me back to life? Am I willing to receive such intimate, consequential care? Will I consent to change? Might I dare to flourish in a world where I have thus far been invisible? Have I become complacent when it comes to repentance and amendment of life, assuming that I have limitless time to be faithful, to be fruitful? Have I forgotten that the same patient God who gives me another year to thrive will also someday call me to account? Yes, maybe Jesus is inviting us to ask better questions. Because when we come up with a question of why, what we are really asking is to be let off the hook. We are asking to be separate from the brokenness that is the world we inhabit, the brokenness that surrounds us, the brokenness that is within us. And in asking better questions, we see that Jesus guides us to the reality that there is no separating 
ourselves. Separation only creates harm, in fact, to us and to others and to the world. Researcher and storyteller Brene Brown says this, my mom taught us never to look away from people's pain. The lesson was simple. Don't look away. Don't look down. Don't percent, pretend not to see hurt. Look people in the eye, even when their pain is overwhelming. And when you are in pain, Find the people who can look you in the eye. We need to know that we are not alone, especially when we are hurting. This is where better questions lead us. Closer to each other and closer to God. But it requires bravery because in asking better questions, we discover that we play a role, a very important role, in healing the brokenness. My friends, friends, May we be brave enough to move beyond why. Amen.